Well, we better dig into the word today. Why don't you open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 15 and to Romans 5. Those two openings. 1 Corinthians 15. We'll go there first. And then to Romans chapter 5. We're going to talk about uh, the subject of redemption today. And we're going to hit it from a certain angle. We're calling this message the story of two Adams. And when I say Adams, I'm not talking about A-T-O-M-S. I'm talking about A-D-A-M-S. We're talking about the story of two Adams. 1 Corinthians 15 and Romans chapter 5. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15, let's start reading with verse 21. And it says there, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, go down to verse 45. It says, and so it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, someone say the last Adam. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man, talking about Adam, was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man... So also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, before we start reading in Romans 5, I want you to take notice here that this is talking about two Adams, one that's called over in uh, uh, verse 45, the first man, Adam. But then another one who is called the last Adam. Now that first man, Adam, is the one that we know as Adam, who is married to Eve, the very first man who was created, and the man who fell there in the Garden of Eden. The last Adam is nobody else but the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to see that as we now look in Romans 5. We're going to start reading there with verse 8. It says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 
For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, talking about Adam, that's the one man, just as through Adam, that one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Will you say, Pastor Ray, what kind of death? First of all, spiritual death. Physical death is nothing but a product of the real root of the problem, which is spiritual death. What initially happened there in the Garden of Eden Remember God's word to them is that if they were to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that in the day that you eat of it, you would surely die. Uh, a, A more literal rendering of that actually says that in dying, you will die, signifying two deaths. And that's exactly what happened as a result of Adam and Eve partaking of that tree that God told them not to partake of. What happened is they died spiritually immediately. And for Adam, 930 years later, he did eventually die physically as well. But the big issue is not the physical death. Because the root of physical death is spiritual death. And the big issue that needed to be dealt with and what came into the world as a result of what Adam did is spiritual death. And to make sure that we clearly define our term today, I want you to know that the the term we use, spiritual death, is not talking about a spirit ceasing to exist. The reason why is because spirits cannot cease to exist. Spirits are eternal and they will eternally exist somewhere. In heaven, in hell, And I'll tell you what, I certainly, uh, I vote for the non-smoking section myself. (laughs) Amen. Glory to God. But spirits are eternal. And so therefore, spiritual death is not a reference to a spirit ceasing to exist. Spiritual death is talking about being separated from God. Spiritual death is separation from God. So I wanted to clarify that. Now we can keep on reading. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type Of him who was to come. Oh my, what's the Bible say about Adam? It said that Adam is a type of him who was to come. 
And who's that one who was to come? That be the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Let me throw in this little side note here to help us understand that phrase a little bit where it says that the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Look at it this way. What came through Jesus, that being eternal life that came through Jesus, is not like the spiritual death that came through Adam. Aren't you glad that eternal life's a whole lot better than spiritual death? So what came through Jesus is not like what came through Adam. What came through Adam, that spiritual death, was forced on all his descendants. You didn't vote on it. None of us had a vote. What happened to Adam and what came through Adam was passed down to all his descendants and they had no choice in the matter. But what came through Jesus, that being eternal life, is received voluntarily. And it's received through faith. So we understand this, that there is a difference between what came through Adam and what came through Jesus. One was forced on you against your will. You weren't asked to vote. Do you want to be under a curse or not? No, you were born into it. We all were. But there's one thing you do have a vote about. Do you want to be redeemed from the curse? Hey. So let's keep on reading. Verse 16. We'll we'll continue. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Whose offense was that? That was Adam's offense. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Now, let me give you Pastor Ray's paraphrase of that. Adam's one offense brought judgment, which resulted in all of us being guilty. But Jesus bore our many offenses so that we could receive his free gift and be declared not guilty. Hallelujah. Verse 17, we'll read a few more verses. For if by the one man's offense, that being Adam, death reigned through the one, much more, someone say much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made Sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many 
will be made righteous. Woo! Now I'll tell you, those verses preach all by themselves. But you see what, what these verses that we've read today, what they're telling, they're, they're telling us the story of two Adams. And my question to you today is which Adam do you identify with? Well, something to think about. One thing that is clear about both the first Adam and the last Adam that I want to point out to you today is that they were both, in essence, representatives of the whole human race. Meaning that what actions they took and what decisions they make would either positively affect the human race if it was a good decision and if it was a bad decision it would negatively affect the human race and believe me there were some decisions to be made and 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 you can see some some similar experiences between both Adam the first Adam And Jesus, the last Adam. And one thing we see in common with both of them is that Satan came for the word. Do you remember the parable of the sower? (laughs) And what did Jesus say when the word gets sown? He said that Satan comes immediately to steal the word. You know what? The devil's not concerned about how cute you are. He's not concerned about the house you live in or don't live in or the money you have or the car you drive. Let me tell you what he is interested in and by all means threatened by is the word. That's why when the word is planted, he comes immediately to try to steal the word. Now, in the Garden of Eden, God made some very crystal clear statements. I mean, there's just no way to misconstrue what he said. He said, you can eat of every tree in the garden, but not that one. How many of you get that? (laughs) Because if you eat of that one, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. So what happens? This slithering, slimy serpent comes around. And first of all, ask this question. Hath God said? And then right after God said, if you eat of it, you will surely die. What's the words of this serpent? You will not surely die. What's he coming for? It's coming for the word. And in that case, he was allowed to steal that word. But in the case of the last Adam, it turned out a little differently. Now, you remember when Jesus got baptized in the river Jordan? And the father spoke from heaven. And and the spirit of God descended like a dove upon him. And what did the father say? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
And then Jesus was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And what's the first thing the devil said to him? If you be the son of God. Now think about this. The father just spoke from heaven. Audibly. Said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you think the word of God was spoken here? And immediately the very first words uttered out of Satan's mouth when tempting Jesus was, if you be the son of God. And I want to tell you this. Jesus did not allow himself to be roped into a situation where he felt like he had to prove anything. Because if he allowed himself to get roped into that, then by that action, he would be saying that the father's word wasn't good enough on its own. Hey, you know, like I got to prove something or, or, or do something because you're challenging me and I need to go ahead and, you know, face this challenge. But you know what? Jesus immediately responded with an it is written. And I want you to know that Jesus was holding on firmly to the word that his father clearly said. He don't have to come and try to prove anything to some slimy old devil. No, 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 no. The devil tried to steal the word, but he could not steal the word. Because if Jesus tried to play that game with him, like I said, what would have happened? What would have happened is that he would be playing this game on Satan's level. He, uh, Satan really would be getting Jesus where he wanted him. But no, no, no. He's not trying to prove something. Why? Because you don't have to prove something. The word's good enough. All the proof I need is that daddy said so. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there's the first Adam who did allow the word to get stolen. But thank God that last Adam, the devil came to get the word that was planted in his heart, just like the first Adam. But that last Adam, he held on to that word and didn't let it go. Glory be to God. The first Adam failed the test. The last Adam passed the test. You know, there were two big decisions made and both of those decisions were made in gardens. Interesting. One garden called the Garden of Eden. The other garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey. And the wrong decision was made in Eden. Obviously. Because we all are uh, affected by that. Well, have been affected by that until we embraced and aligned our identity with the last Adam instead of the first one. Come on. We'll talk more about that later. But you see, that wrong decision was made in Eden. But there was another garden down the road in time called the Garden of Gethsemane. And there was a decision to be made there. A decision by the Lord Jesus Christ, whether he was going to do the will of God or not, whether he was going to do what he came to do or not. Because if he did not do what he came to do, we would be doomed. He's called the last Adam for a reason because there wasn't no other plan. There wasn't no other way. He was either it or mankind was doomed. 
And so Jesus, faced with a decision in the Garden of Gethsemane, said, Lord, if this cup's not going to pass away from me unless I drink it, then I say this, not my will, but your will be done. So I'm glad to tell you that because there was a wrong decision made in one garden, it necessitated that there would be the last Adam standing in yet another garden having to make a decision. But that last Adam made the right decision. And because of the decision he made, he went on and faced the most horrific suffering than any of us can ever imagine. But oh, he came out on top. Hallelujah. And because he came out on top, and if you identify yourself with him, that means you on top too. <laughs> but I appreciate what Jesus did. Because let me put it to you like this. The soldiers crucified Jesus at Golgotha. But Jesus crucified himself at Gethsemane. Mm. So Satan came for the word in both cases. Also, there were two gardens and two big tests, two big decisions that needed to be made. And also they both encountered trees. Think about this. One encountered that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that tree got the best of him. But Jesus rescued the human race by being nailed to a tree. (laughs) Can I drop a little something on you? When the children of Israel first came out of Egypt and crossed over the Red Sea, in Exodus 15, it says they came to a place called Mara. And they wanted to drink some water there, but it said the waters were bitter. God gave some instructions to Moses on what to do. Because we had a bad water situation. God told Moses to take a tree and throw it in the water. And when he did, the scripture says that the bitter waters were made sweet. And I got something to say to the church today. That the bitter situations of your life and the bitter stuff that you've had to deal with during your time here on planet earth. If you introduce those things to the tree. As happened to that water, so will happen to the situations of your life. The bitter will be made sweet. Glory to God forever. (laughs) Yeah. So let's check this out a little further. We can get, (laughs) no pun intended, we can get hung up on the tree there. (laughs) All right. Let's contrast this first Adam and the last Adam. Let's see the differences here. First of all, the first Adam, 
He was the first of a race who went from spiritual life to spiritual death. He started off on top and enjoyed whatever span of time. Uh, the, the Bible does not specify how long he was there in the garden before he ate of that tree that God told him not to and died spiritually. But he started off on top and then went down and brought everybody one down with him. So Adam was the first of a race who went from spiritual life to spiritual death. But Jesus was the first of a race who reversed what Adam did. This new race is called the new creation. And rather than going from life to death, this new creation has gone from spiritual death to spiritual life. And it is no wonder that Jesus would be identified in such a way all throughout the New Testament. The firstborn of every creature. The firstborn from the dead. The firstborn among many brethren. Even his church is called the church of the firstborn. And the scripture calls his resurrection a birth. Acts chapter 13. Paul was preaching and connected the link between what was written in the Psalms about Jesus, where it was said, thou art my son, this day have I begotten you. And Paul clearly stated that that was fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We have not thought in our minds of the resurrection as a birth, but it was. And Jesus was the firstborn of a new race. Glory to God. Not one who went into immediate decline, but one, this new race, this new creation race, no, no decline there, but ever on the incline. Because the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 9, that of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. That means ever on the incline, never on the decline. Come on, hallelujah. I know which one I want to be a part of. (laughs) So let's continue to contrast the first Adam and the last Adam. See, that first Adam brought a curse on humanity. But the last Adam redeemed us from the curse. Oh, Lord. Adam turned his authority over to Satan. Jesus took back the keys of authority from Satan. Adam sought to hide and cover himself with fig leaves because of the wrong that he had done. But Jesus allowed himself to be uncovered by the shame of crucifixion when he had done nothing wrong. One guilty man decided to pass the blame to others, the blame that belonged to him. You remember, Lord, it's the the woman you gave me. So you've got a guilty man deciding to pass to others the blame that belonged to him. But with the last Adam, you've got an innocent man who decided to accept the blame that did not belong to him. 
It reminds me of a little song that, that we sang in, in the church going back 30 years ago. It says, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. It's called Amazing Grace. Because Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank God for that. How else can we contrast the first Adam and the last Adam? We'll keep this in mind. Remember, God did not, uh, God was not keen about the, the fig leaf idea. God actually made, the scripture says, coats of skins for them to wear. Which means to get the skin, there's some critters needed to shed their blood. So we see this, that the first Adam needed to have blood shed for him. But the last Adam shed his blood for others. Now let's go ahead and take a look at this last Adam and what's so wonderful and unique and special about him. The last Adam was God come in the flesh. The theological word used is incarnation. Not reincarnation, incarnation. That's God becoming man. Now this is an interesting thing. And you know part of a message like this. It's helpful for us to kind of have the big picture of how things worked and how things happened. It it makes us appreciate our redemption and what Jesus did to a greater degree. But how did Satan get into this earth to begin with? Because when God created this earth, God didn't create this earth and put Satan in charge. No, God created this earth and put Adam in charge. And Satan came, and the only way that he could get access into the earth is if a man let him in. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. He came, the slithering serpent, sly and slimy. Whether he was slimy or not, you know, uh, there, there's things that are said about what, what kind of a beautiful creature a serpent once was. And part of the curse that he experiences, yeah, you're going to be slithering on the ground the rest of your days. But the bottom line is this. What kind of creature it was, he did not identify who he really was. And so he came trying to sell his stuff, shall we say. The original snake was a snake oil salesman. (laughs) And the two original humans fell for it. (laughs) However, the only way that he could get in was if he was allowed in. And that's what happened. Satan was allowed into this earth. So therefore, in essence... God was locked out of his own creation. 
Because spiritual death, when it takes place, that's separation from God. So the, the connection and the union that once was there is now severed. So how is God going to get into the earth? Well, God has to get into the earth in the same way. Through a man who gives him access back in. But God's not going to be sly and slippery and not identify himself. No, God tapped a man named Abraham on the shoulder and said, I am almighty God. How do you do? (laughs) And by God coming and setting up a covenant with Abraham, that was God's way and God's plan to get back in. Because God started making some arrangements with Abraham on how someone called the last Adam would eventually arrive on planet earth. Paul makes it real clear that the promise to Abraham was not given to seeds as of many, but seed singular, that seed being Christ. And as Adam and Eve allowed Satan access into the earth. Thank God there was a man named Abraham who allowed God Almighty access into the earth and got a plan going that would ultimately turn things back around and reverse what Adam did. (coughs) Praise the Lord. So this last Adam was God come in the flesh. And the way that that could happen was by what we know as the virgin birth. The virgin birth was necessary in order for Jesus to be the last Adam. That was the only way that humanity could ever have that fresh start. Jesus had to be born Without the tainted blood of Adam's sinful condition. Because if he was born just like the rest of us were born, he'd be messed up with the same mess as everybody else. So right from the very start, God had a plan. See, see, we think God gets ideas. Jesus is called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You know, it's not like, you know, God just woke up one day. You can't wake up if you don't sleep, you know. <laughs> but but it's, it's not like God just got an idea one day. No, I tell you, he, he don't get ideas. He just is. He just is. All wisdom and all knowledge. Hallelujah. But you see what the plan of God was even as early as Genesis 3, right after the fall, right after spiritual death was first allowed entrance into the lives of men. You see God saying to the serpent that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Talking about the seed of a woman. Now just a little 
lesson for you. Women don't produce seed. So guess what he's talking about here? He's talking about bypassing part of the process. Well, actually not bypassing the process, but that the process of implanting a seed into a virgin named Mary was not going to be done by Joseph or by some other man, but that the Holy Ghost himself would overshadow this woman and plant the seed of God inside of her. The means whereby Jesus could become man and not be tainted with the the blood of Adam. Glory be to God. So here he is coming into the earth untainted. But yet he's coming into the earth ultimately for the purpose of getting tainted. He's coming in untainted and yet his life and ministry culminates in the moment where he gets tainted with everything that you and I ever did that whole ball of wax that 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 sin that Adam committed in the garden that that original moment of time where he allowed spiritual death to come in the blame the 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 responsibility for it the guilt for it the one who is now being pointed at and being called guilty was the untainted one. So God had a plan to bring him into this earth without being tainted by Adam's sin. But the plan was ultimately that he would get to the point where he would be tainted with it. My God. Because we see that this last Adam, he took on spiritual death. There's two verses over in Hebrews 2, verse 14 and verse 9. Verse 14 says that through death that Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Verse 9 there says that we see Jesus who's made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for every man. Remember our definition of what spiritual death is. Being separated from God. And all the words prophesied in Psalm 22 and fulfilled in Matthew chapter 27 as Jesus was on the cross. And he cried out at that moment in time, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Because at that moment, what was happening to him is what Paul described in 2 Corinthians 5. As he who knew no sin becoming sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We see Jesus on the cross. And, and, and so, so little times do we understand the, the full picture of what was going on. Jesus described himself in John chapter 3 according to something that happened back in the book of Numbers. Where there were fiery serpents in the camp of the Israelites. And the instruction given to Moses was to make a brass serpent and put it up on a pole. And command anybody who's been bitten to look, to gaze at that serpent on the pole. And if they they would do that, that they would live. And Jesus in John chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 says that as Moses lifted up. The serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So Adam obeyed the voice of the serpent and that resulted in all mankind becoming spiritually dead. But Jesus obeyed his father. And as our substitute took spiritual death upon himself. And this resulted in all mankind having the opportunity to receive everlasting life. Oh, you got to have an appreciation for what Jesus did for you. And understand the depth of it. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Thank God that he did what he did. Thank God. Because we couldn't do it for ourselves. It took a perfect man. To bear the imperfections of mankind. And yet he could not be held prisoner. Why is it? Why could the grave not hold him? Why could hell not hold him? Because the crimes that he was in jail for. Were not his own crimes. You see the genius of God. That a perfect man would pay the price for the crimes of others and yet could not be kept in the jail because he never committed any crimes of his own. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Somebody give God glory in this place. And now we see the ultimate victory of the last Adam. 2 Timothy 1.10 says that he abolished death. Romans 6 says that death no more has dominion over him. Which implies that there was a point where death did have dominion over him. But not anymore. And so we see... Satan's strategy when he came to tempt Jesus, that he wanted to gain, uh, see he had already gained access to the earth through Adam, 
But he knew that if he could get the last at him, then he could have the whole ball of wax, shall we say. That he could really win not just the uh, uh, control uh, here on the, on the earth of this world system, as the scripture teaches us, that Satan is the God of this world. But, but he, he, he wanted control of everything. And if he could get Jesus to bend, he would have had that. But Jesus allowed him no further access. As a matter of fact, listen to this. This is John 14, verse 30 in the Amplified Bible. These are the words of Jesus. He said, I will not talk with you much more. For the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of this world is coming. And he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. Glory to God. Come on now. Now, we asked the question earlier. Remember, which Adam do you identify with? Well, I want you to know that if you read the Bible and you believe on the Lord Jesus and you believe what this book says, let me tell you what the book says. It says in Ephesians 2, start with verse 4, says, But God, who in his, uh, uh, his, for his great love that he had for us, that even while we were dead in sins, had made us alive together with Christ. By grace you're saved. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when you understand the Bible, you understand this very crucial fact. That just like even though you weren't in the Garden of Eden when it happened to the first Adam, it was just as if it happened to you because you got hung up with the same mess that the first Adam got hung up with. By the same token, when the last Adam did what he did, you died with him. You were buried with him. You are raised with him. And let me tell you what else. You are seated with him. But the key word in Ephesians is together. 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 Which is God saying to you that when it happened to Jesus, it happened to you. And if you believe it. That can be yours. Because understand that with God, that there's two sides of truth. Some call it the legal side and the vital side. Others would call it the, the positional side and the experiential side. That as far as God's concerned, the whole world is saved. Because he did what he needed to do for everybody. But is everybody saved? No. Are there people in hell today? Yes. Are there going to be more people in hell in the future? Sadly, yes. Why is that? Because what happened to the first Adam came upon all of us and we didn't have a choice in the matter. But one thing that's clearly different about what happened to the last Adam is that there's a choice involved. 
and that God won't even push his goodness on somebody. He offers it to everybody. But it's the free will of a man to either accept or reject. And so literally, think about this, that there are people in hell at this very moment that positionally speaking, as far as God sees it, are as saved as you and I are. Because the price is paid. Jesus doesn't have to do anything else different for them. He's already done it. But why are they in hell? Because even though positionally, as far as God was concerned, the deed was done, the gift was never received. But if you're here today and you've not received the gift, I believe we're going to have some receiving going on in this place. And as we close today, oh, let me say this to you. Talk about having the last laugh. (laughs) Remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And it says that the devil showed him all the kingdoms of this world. Remember that term, kingdoms of this world. In a moment of time. And the glory of them. And he said, all this can be yours. If you'll just bow down and worship me. Well, Jesus didn't bow down. But do do you ever wonder what eventually happened to those kingdoms of this world? Well, the book of Revelation says. And I, I, I do let you know that the composer, Mr. Handel, put it to music. That the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Glory to God. Who's got the last laugh? And now to wrap this up the right way, I'm going to read two things to you that I was looking at this morning in my house and oh boy, I'll tell you, if baby wasn't sleeping, I'd have had me just a fit. I'd have done something wild. Got me so excited. But, but uh, th- these are uh, some uh, d- different translations of some of the verses we read early in Romans 5.15 and Romans 5.16. And uh, not, not the entirety of the verses, but d- sections of the verses and, and the way they were phrased in some different translations. And I want to plant this on you. First of all, this is Romans 5.15, um, the end of the verse out of the Good Speed translation. It says, God's mercy and his gift given through the favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, have far more powerfully affected mankind. Have far more powerfully affected Mankind. Here's the same thought uh, in, in a little different wording. And the effect of the gift of God 
was greater than the effect of the offense of Adam. Did you hear what I said? I said the effect of the gift of God was greater than the effect of the offense of Adam. And you might be looking around and say, well, I see still a whole lot of Adam's mess going on. But I tell you, if you're going to believe the Holy Bible, you're going to believe this statement here, that the effect of what Jesus did is greater than what that first man did. The effect of what the last Adam did is greater. Glory to God. Glory to God. And it's free. Free to you because someone already paid for it. Thank you, Lord. We honor you today and give you glory. We thank you for the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, how blessed and how privileged we are to know the truth that we've heard today. To hear it, to receive it, and to know that we don't have to be under the bondage of the sin and the wrong action and the, the, the destruction brought upon mankind through Adam number one. But we, as a matter of our choice, can choose to be identified with the last Adam and therefore enjoy the gift, the grace, that eternal life that has come by him. Glory to God.